Man, Aaron, it's been a while. It is so nice <laughs> to hear your voice and talk about a, a TV show. Yeah, it's, uh, man, things have changed since we since we began our hiatus. How convenient was it that we started our hiatus and we didn't know. We didn't know <laughs> what the world would be. It's true. It is very interesting that, that, that we, uh, we timed that out. But we're... We're back. It's a different world. So, with that in mind, welcome to Mystery Outsiders and Abs. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama Hedwig and the Angry Inch cast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's that time of the year in Riverdale Town where, <laughs> where I, musicals happen. I want to say I owe Hedwig... Nope. I owe Riverdale an apology. Because I've spent the past three or so weeks ever since I found out that Hedwig was what they were doing being very very angry I have been filled with rage and fury that a high school a high school would choose to do a musical that has one character in it yeah our <laughs> now just to put a little bit because I think this is not surprise anyone the premise of the episode is, contra- is it is controversial our problem with Hedwig is that it is a high it is a play with one one character one character two Yitzig is kind of a character. They get a song. Well, they have parts in songs. Don't they sing Midnight? Don't they sing the end song? No. Oh. Um, Well, so I re-listened to the soundtrack on the way over. Yeah. Um, And the sense, uh, the mistake I made was I listened to the 2014 recording as opposed to the original one because that was the one that I had. Um, And so I watched the episode, listened to the soundtrack and in the soundtrack, at least, it's still Neil Patrick Harris singing. He's yeah. just singing in his um, Tommy Gnosis voice. He's not singing. So, and Yitzhak is played by a woman. Yeah. Well, I, the, the, th- the thing, I, I don't want to say the problem, but the the, anyway, the, the, int- the interesting thing about um, Hedwig is that each every single time it's brought back, it's done slightly different. But it is a musical to be done in a basement, in a bar, in a cabaret. Like, this is... It's shocking that it was on Broadway because it's too small for Broadway. It is a small, intimate show about a washed-up, almost famous yeah. rock star who's on their way down. Well, when the, and when they were when they were doing all the uh, like the prep for like you know developing it, they 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 did developed it going through rock clubs. Yeah, it's it's not meant to be done in a theater. And I'm not saying that the themes are too controversial for high school because I think the themes are appropriate for high school. But it is not a show to be done in high school. I'm sorry 16 year olds do not understand what it is to escape communist germany and we'll, at the fall of the berlin wall and have a botched we'll get we'll, we'll, we'll get to that the, the point that aired was actually going towards because we can't get into that now because that will come up throughout our review of this episode the point i was going towards is there's one character yes when when we when this was going to be the musical and let's be clear i am 95% sure early in this season he did say musical he said I've already chosen what musical we're doing which makes me think they were planning on doing a musical and because we learned this show flies by the seat of its pants they switched it to someone listened to Hedwig and was like "Ooh, there's some good songs they switched it to a variety show now to be clear last episode was which was so long ago didn't he say the variety show was tomorrow or signups began tomorrow? Okay, so I went back and listened. Yeah. And what he says is, I'm posting the signup sheet for the variety show tomorrow. Okay. Which could be heard 
in many ways. <laughs> but what he means is he's posting the sheet tomorrow and the variety show is on Friday. Oh, my favorite thing we do learn about this, though, we haven't gone to the episode yet, but the favorite thing I do learn about this sign-up sheet is that the way he's doing it is there's multiple sign-up sheets across the school and he's bringing them piece by piece to Mr. <laughs> Honey, which is infuriating. Because that means you get no context of how many there are when you're signing. Like, when you sign for a variety show, it seems everybody's just doing music. Yeah, so it's not a variety show. It's like a garage band show. <laughs> yep. And Kevin is not very good at organizing it. He's a bad director. No, no, it's... it's oh, man. So, on the bright side, it's not a musical, so we're not upset about that thing. They actually, And I actually did say, I'm like, well, maybe they're going to do a musical staging of it where everybody's playing Hedwig. And that is indeed, that is indeed what does happen. Yeah, it's kind of what they're doing. But I think... With that being said, it might be time to just get into it. Yeah, you know, usually we watch the show together, we talk about it a little bit, then we come here. We're apart. We watched it apart. This is going to be mysterious. Yep. Uh, so, let's get into it. This is Riverdale, Season 4, Episode 17, Wicked Little Town. Wicked Little Town. We begin by Jughead saying it's over. <laughs> and what he means is, you know how you like the Stonewall prep storyline? Forget about it. It's not happening. It's instead, dead. <laughs> instead, and I hate that he says this, uh, he says that after Riverdale turned normal, it should be no surprise to anyone that the third v- 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 C- VHS tape has, has arrived. The last time we've had a VHS tape had to have been like, November. Because you looked this up. It was like episode five or something, right? It was, it was, yeah, it was like episode... Well, the first one arrived in Halloween, which is episode five. And the second one arrived episode seven, which had to be just after Halloween. And now it's <laughs> after spring break. So everyone forgot about these tapes. <laughs> so, yeah, him saying it's no surprise. I would have thought like, okay, so someone did those two things. That was weird, but we haven't heard from them. <laughs> so I guess we're moving on. I guess this serial killer got distracted. Now, I this makes me think, like, that person who's doing it, they have to have been somehow involved with the Stonewall storyline, or else why would they politely step back and let the other storyline happen? They're like, oh no, Jughead seems distracted, he won't be able to find the truth, yeah. we'll wait. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll wait, we'll wait. So everyone watches them, and we learn that the premise of this episode, specifically, is that it is a Glee musical. So as they watch the tapes, they sing Wicked Little Town, and yeah. I want to point out... That this, early on, this might be my CW moment. They have, this is the song that Kevin should be singing for the variety show. This is the best song in the musical. Oh, we'll get to Kevin and the variety show. And they sacrifice him singing it so that all the characters can sing it. Yeah, and then, and then. (sighs) My other point that I want to make, though, is I don't think we've ever heard Cole Sprouse sing before. I think he's always somehow avoided being in the musical songs. I do think we have not heard him sing before. And he's amazing! Yeah, every time we hit his moment where he's singing, I'm like, yeah, I'm down for this specifically. I thought the first time he was singing, I was like, oh, they're just playing Wicked Little Town. Like, they're just playing the cast recording. No. No, it was him singing. Like, this is the the weird thing about this episode you're going to find. This episode was definitely the one where, remember how we always talk about that war between the serious side of the writer's room and the silly side of the writer's room the silly side definitely got their gra- their grips in this one very good mm. so it is a 
fun episode if you don't think about it at all. <laughs> Unfortunately, we have to think about it a lot. Our job is to think about it. But I did want to say Cole, Cole Sprouse is amazing. Well, I mean, I mean, the thing is that Cole Sprouse, great. Casey Cott has done Broadway. He's mm-hmm. great. Even, even like, like Betty and Veronica, they're fine as well. Um, I was but distra- Cole Sprouse is shocking because I don't think we've heard him sing before. And he... He gets it. And maybe it's because this this is a rock opera, so these are rock songs, and the other ones weren't really... They were, like, fun pop songs, so yeah. maybe this is his genre. It, yeah, it might it might just be that. So uh, this ends with um, a little bit of introduction of one of our plot lines for this episode, which is Hiram. Hiram? Not doing so great. Yeah, Veronica... Uh, worries that he's that you know you have to go to a doctor's appointment and Hiram's like I'll go after my coffee. Spoiler alert: he does not go after his coffee. Instead, he drinks some coffee and then goes to lift weights. And it that's hard, probably because he's lifting weights on an empty stomach. <laughs> and Archie does a terrible job of spotting Hiram. I don't think Archie was spotting him. I think Archie was elsewhere, and then Hiram didn't ask for a spotter because of course he wouldn't ask for a spotter. He's Hiram. He's Hiram Lodge, the strongest of men. Yep. But no, he can't lift those massive weights. And Archie's like, look, your daughter told me about your sickness because I don't keep secrets from people. So maybe you shouldn't lift super heavy weights, sir. And Hiram's like, I do what I want. Just lift less weights. No, I do what I want, Archie. Don't tell Veronica that I'm lifting weights. Otherwise, I need my privacy. Yeah, and then... So that is, that is the first one. I was like, hey, I know the secret. Don't tell this other person about the secret. Which you think would kind of set up a parallel. And it does for one scene with what, with what comes next. Sort of. Oh. So, Jughead has two parents. <laughs> Jughead has FP, his dad. Yeah. And Alice, his dad's girlfriend. They the, Al, At this point, FP and Alice are so disconnected from their children's storylines. They have their own thing. And in this episode, they don't get lines, though they do get to sing. <laughs> so instead of his parents facilitating a transfer from one highly regarded high school to another less highly regarded high school in which his credits should just directly transfer and they should allow him to pick (laughs) up his work from where he left off at his previous highly regarded high school his girlfriend has to go to mr honey and fight all his teachers actually and fight for permission for him to be allowed to come back into class and he's so far behind he may never catch up yeah (sighs) That's not so, how school works. Yeah, so that 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 you you really buried the lead there right at the end. The the premise is that that Jughead is apparently oh he he can catch up because Betty talked to all his teachers. Archie going to school apparently can't, um, <laughs> but Jughead can. She Just, made him a binder with a cover page that looks like weird faded parchment, like an all cult diary. And all he a, has to do is write some essays. He's gotta, yeah, he's got to do um, a few essays. Now I want to take this moment here, and Aaron, I want you and me together. I want us to brainstorm. Let's try to make this work. I I did think of some reasons that maybe why this is happening. They don't tell us anything. They just say, oh, no, he doesn't have none of his credits transferred over. Maybe because he was kicked out of Stonewall, they wouldn't release his transcript. So he has no credit for the schoolwork he's done already. Mm, so spiteful. So Stonewall was, was like, oh, no, that kid, what, that kid revealed our kind of secret society. But really, it seemed like the secret society was really centered in one specific thing. 
Maybe because he was dead for a short period of time, his transcript is invalid. <laughs> they burned it. As soon as they're like, oh, Jughead's dead, burn the transcript. Maybe the only class he took at Stonewall was writing. That's what I had. The, my my uh, my reason is that he actually did not take any classes except for that one where they sat in there. Though the problem is, when she's going through the things that you'll have to do, they say American history, where he has to decide between writing um, an essay on the Trail of Tears... Um, or the same witch trials, because his American history class is specifically on atrocities. Um, <laughs> or, and he also has to write, write a book report in his English class, which means even... The, the one class he took. The one thing he did that got him into Stonewall did not transfer over, which means Stonewall has to have just been like, no. <laughs> no transcript for you, sir. So, <laughs> what, that's, what's that going to look like for... Half a year, more than half a year, he just didn't exist. He already got into Yale, although then he didn't because he was fake dead. But then you think he could be like, by the way, I wasn't fake dead. Yale? (laughs) Hey, Yale, take me back. I'm still alive. Because it really seemed like that recruiter actually wasn't in on the whole conspiracy thing. He was just... (laughs) Yeah. So Uh, does he just have a transcript that just has a big question mark on it? It says Stonewall Prep on the top. Forsyth Pendleton Jones III. Question mark. So unfortunately, we just have to, we just have to accept that this is what's happening. It doesn't make any sense, which might as well be the tagline of this show. So now we have the parallel to the Archie and Hiram scene. Jughead goes to Charles and he's like, hey, I need something to take my mind off of all of this school. You want to give me some drugs? What? He's not asked for drugs. It's really set up like he is asking for drugs. But what he's actually asking for is more work. No, he's asking for crime drugs. Drugs <laughs> where he can help do crime. I literally wrote not down do crime, solve crime. Visits Charles to try to get drugs, and I was like, oh wait, that's not what this scene is. Man, you completely zoned out. <laughs> drugs. He needs. No, he needs drugs. He goes to Betty. No, he goes to Alice. That's true. Miss, uh, mom, kind of? His dad's girlfriend? Dad's girlfriend, also my girlfriend's mom. We can't get into this We right all now. live together. We all live together. Where do I sleep? <laughs> Can you give me drugs? <laughs> I know you used to give them to Betty, which means you're still holding. So give-, give me that Adderall, Alice. No, he needs to get his mind off it by scrubbing through all of the, the, um, the tape footage, because I guess, and this is actually smart, the FBI's been going around and getting the tapes from everybody and then watching them. Hey, we have a reason why Charles is still in town. And that's what I assumed, but it's so weird they never confirmed it. The show does this weird thing where they they both want the audience to just take certain leaps, but then also kind of punishes them for if they... <laughs> assume things where they shouldn't assume things. Hey, you should realize this person was telling the truth about some things, but not everything. So Jughead will look through the tapes. However, he doesn't want Charles to tell Betty. And Charles says, I'll only tell her if she directly asks me, is Jughead looking at the tapes? So, ooh, double secrets in this show. Ooh. ooh doesn't come up. Doesn't come up. Doesn't really relate. You think it would, because that is a direct parallel. But instead, we meet the main premise of this show. This episode, I guess. So we talked about this. Kevin is just collecting sign-up sheets from throughout the school and delivering them to Honey. And Honey's Mm. like, yeah, these sign-up sheets are pretty good. Except that you want to sing a song from a dirty musical. So, so let's talk about this for a little bit. So before I watched this episode, 
I was prepared to be on Mr. Honey's side, to be honest. Yeah. Um, because I have been a high school student who has proposed to sing songs for variety shows that I think are totally appropriate. And the teachers have been like, you definitely can't sing a song about sex. <laughs> you can't do Touch Me from Spring Awakening. And I'm like, but kids, sing it in the musical. It speaks to my spirit. Yeah. And I mean, let's even take it outside of musicals. You can't do Rate Me by Nirvana. I mean, my song was actually a song um, by Idina Menzel. And it was about being in love with her husband, Tay Diggs. But there were some parts about, like, resting her head on his chest and smelling the sandalwood oil that he dabs in the middle. And they were just like, you know what? No one wants to hear a 14-year-old sing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the problem that I bet you run into is that it's not ever made 100% clear exactly what song. Honey, or, okay, so we'll begin with that. We don't know. We aren't told what song Kevin wants to sing. And that... Usually you think, oh, well, that doesn't matter in this, but it kind of... It kind of does. Because if he wants to sing, like, The Origin of Love... Which is the best song in the musical. Then it's probably fine. If he wants to sing Angry Inch... And it's it's very unclear, because he sings two different songs when talking about what he's going to sing. Yeah. And then we never see his song at the variety show, so, so we don't know what song he's going to sing. Yeah, and, you know, you can do all these things. You can start talking about, um, uh, you know... Uh, teens can have more than we think and censorship and all those things but then this brings to a second problem honey never really makes clear a hundred percent what his problem is because here he seems to he seems to imply that it's not well known enough yeah he's like sing a song from a popular musical from oklahoma or carousel and carousel is about a man who beats his wife oh yeah and and it would it would have been a great parallel if they decided to have someone bring up like oh those ones that you mentioned they're also like racist and sexist and these things but but hedwig is somehow more controversial so yeah it's it's unclear is he mad because kevin wants to dress up in drag well kevin never actually says he wants to dress up in drag until honey yeah takes him out of the and and if and if honey and the thing is, like, once again, this is about the show making us assume things. If we want to assume that Honey's problem is that this show is about, like, gender politics and all these things that maybe Honey... And either is Honey bigoted, is Honey just political and doesn't want gender politics in his school, which is all different issues. But because we don't know what issue his it is, it's hard to super rail against him because... We don't know what he is railing against the show. Yeah, I don't know what his problem is. It does seem at very many occasions his problem is that the show is too niche. (laughs) (laughs) No one will know what you're doing. And then repeatedly people will try to convince him otherwise and completely not get what his problem is. Like, we should move right on to this next musical where Kevin explains what he thinks Mr. Honey's problem is. So he explains that no, absolutely these songs are appropriate. These songs speak to who we are. We are teenagers. We have opinions and we have to speak up. We're, we're not just numbers. Slam- we're relentlessly slammed with crisis after crisis. Which is kind of ironic for the episode airing now. Yeah. Um, but his big thing, because th- this is the way that Riverdale does musicals. Someone has to say a line at the end of their speech to explain why they're singing that song. And his is... We're people, not numbers. And, and then he sings one of the worst songs for oh, the musical. Also, he says, we're Generation Z. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> what <laughs> that, point that are you making? What does that relate to Hedwig? Whatever. Hedwig is not Generation Z. He's Generation X. Uh, I, I was active in the 70s. Um, and then, so yes, then this continues into 
Uh, a song that I don't think is in every production of Hedwig. It is. It is. It's just not a great song, so it doesn't stand out. All right. Um, so, so it's this is this is our first in, implication that as because of the way this musical is done, these are going to be dream sequence musicals. Effectively, they exist in a realm between reality and dream. We can't get into too much of the logistics of them because of those reasons we have to assume that it's hap what is being communicated in the song is happening in real life but it may not be happening in a song it's glee yeah it's and that is fine that's how musicals work i like me, it me and aaron aren't gonna be like but then they start pulling confetti out of lockers, out of their lockers but then when the song is done the confetti's still there <laughs> <No>. <laughs> My, what I do like about this, though, is that even in the dream sequence numbers thing, Cheryl's number is red. And I'm like, that completely defeats the purpose of the song. If the purpose of the song is that everyone is just numbers in the system, but Cheryl is allowed to have a red number. Then just give everyone a red number. Yeah, like it... <laughs> you have one one person who, in a dream sequence, is unable. Like, and I get it. The idea is that they're breaking out from this, but the it crosses it crosses the metaphor. And so, it's like if you had a song where everyone's wearing gray jumpsuits, and they're like, "Oh, we're all the same. We're all the same." But one's wearing a red jumpsuit, but it's never addressed. It's just that person is wearing a red jumpsuit. You're like, hmm. But that's Cheryl, (laughs) I guess. So this song does start with Kevin hitting play on his boombox. Yeah. So does that mean this is the song he was planning on doing in the variety show? Because if this is the song (laughs) he was planning on doing in the variety show, I also, as an educator, would be like, Kevin, maybe you should pick a different song that like shows off your talents more. <laughs> Do you like the anti like no if Mr. Honey at the end was like, no no, Kevin, you don't understand. My problem is not with the fact that the music is that you picked the worst song. Why aren't you singing Wicked Little Town, Kevin? You picked the worst song, Kevin. It is actually there is <laughs> is I'll make clear, but it does seem like in my head, in my head get it, that Mr. Honey has seen Hedwig in the Angry Inch. He knows a lot about it. He knows a lot about it. <laughs> he knows a lot about this play. And he's just like, well, no, of course, I love this song. You're just doing it wrong. <laughs> you guys are, uh, you're teenagers and you think this relates to you. It doesn't. It relates to me when I lived in New York in my teens. He's <laughs> like, yeah, all you. <laughs> all you youths can't appreciate what this musical this, is about. This musical about someone breaking out, out of, um, uh, you know, uh, Nazi-occupied Berlin in the fall of the Berlin Wall. And you're all angry that you have to do homework. I'm just mad that you don't actually understand what the musical's about. I don't like that you're co-opting the feelings that are taking place in this musical. So, this is more than you can fathom. So this all wraps up with a little bit here where Kevin, not, no, sorry, not Kevin, um, where Archie... Um, <laughs> like, creeps around a corner. I don't know why it seems like here, he's so weird at this moment, but he signs up. <laughs> the Archies. <laughs> he says it's a garage band. Now, I want to point out, because I watched the end of the last episode, uh, Kevin tells his friends they're forced to participate. Archie does not need to sign up his friends as the Archies. Yeah. And also at the same time, this, this one storyline adds so many weird things to the show. <laughs> Number one, it doesn't make sense in this world for Archie to be so selfish to name his band The Archies. No. Would, what would be more realistic is if Veronica signed everyone up and called them The Archies. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that would make a lot more sense. Because she's like, no, no, Archie's the handsome one. He has to be the leader. That's why it's called the Archies. Yeah. Um, cut to him uh, practicing his guitar. and His think- string breaks. He mm-hmm. goes to see his – well, he goes to go get a new guitar string, but that means he has to look at his dad's guitar, yeah. which makes no sense because Fred played drums. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, he did. I was – I was going to let that slide because the show is... <laughs> he also looks at his truck, which he hasn't driven since he and his dad... The jalopy. You've got to call it a jalopy, Aaron. That's right. He looks at his jalopy. This is a lot of what Archie being like, oh, man, my dad. Yeah, we, we get the payoff for this later, which is fine. This actually is a pretty good character arc where, where there's a lot of premise in this episode that Archie's thinking about how when he played instruments, his dad really did motivate him. Mm-hmm. It's very so, sweet. We're cool. good with it. Uh, we learned that uh, in the next scene that Kevin has now instead decided to sing a song from Oklahoma. Please Kev- pick one of the worst ones. <laughs> and he picks the worst song from Oklahoma, Surrey with the Fringe on Top. No, yeah. oh, what a beautiful morning. Yeah. Not even Surrey on the Fringe with the Fringe on Top. Uh, and Fangs comes in with his guitar. Yeah, everyone can play music in this in this episode, by the way. Everyone suddenly has musical talent. I also forgot to point out, when we were doing Wicked Little Town earlier, they were watching videos of, like, the places where they live. Oh, yeah, because they're, they're all watching the VCRs. Well, But for some reason, Fangs <laughs> and Sweet Pea and Every- Kevin and his dad and Reggie were watching a video in Pop Tates. Yeah, everybody who does not have a home set <laughs> has to watch the <laughs> Pop Tates video because they're not going to just make them shoot in a random living room somewhere. We have not seen the Keller household since, for years. since season one. But anyway, so Kevin and Fangs are, like, sort of reconnecting. He says he's forced to sing the song, and, Ke- and Fangs is like, no, I think you should sing what you want. I think you shouldn't even wait until the variety show. I think you should sing what you want anytime you want, Kevin. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you're allowed to You're allowed to do that. He says you can't do that at the – it's funny how he's – how um, Fizzle like, you can't do that at the variety show. And Fangs and Kevin take us, they can't do it anywhere? <laughs> Ever. They can never sing again. Uh, <laughs> well, let's, let's, um, let's, let's I guess, catch on. up onto another storyline. Yeah, we'll move to another couple. Um, Betty reads Jughead's essay, and she's like, well, this essay sucks. My favorite thing when she describes it is that it, that it seems phoned in. But what that means is that there's typos, incomplete sentences, and there's no thesis. Incomplete sentences means that he just stopped in the <laughs> middle of a sentence. He writing and moved on to a new <laughs> That's paragraph. That's more than phoned in. <laughs> Uh, but Jughead continues with his lie by being like, oh, well, I guess I'll just go to our sex bunker. I'll be able to write better there, Betty. I do like that the sex bunker is now also sometimes just a homework bunker. And it shows that in the sex bunker, there is a TV with a VHS player so he can watch videos there. Yes, now that's what's happening. It also demonstrates here, I don't know if it did in the beginning, but now that whoever's filming these buildings is now moving. It's not un... Yeah, it's not static. Yeah, he's actually f- moving around and showing the houses, so... Uh, we move back to Archie, um, I guess, revealing to his friends that now they're in a band. And they like it. Well, Betty and Jughead have never shown musical talent, so, but this, this is the... No, wait, they did have a band, didn't they? I, didn't, I think they actually mentioned that the four of them had, like, a kid band. No, because Veronica didn't live there. Oh, you're right. No, I mean, Veronica, not four of them. Betty and Jughead, I thought Veronica they... Veronica has been known to sing. Yes. Betty has been known to sing. Has Betty sung in... Yes, Betty has sung in character. Oh, she sure. sang before she stripped to Mad World. Yes. <laughs> Jughead has somehow avoided being in every musical scene, but now he's in that band. Yeah. I guess they all did 
musicals. But he does seem to imply that this is, like, something, like, yeah, we're in a band. <laughs> and they're like, what's it called? And he's like, the Archies. And Chuckhead's like, really? And Veronica's like, yes. <laughs> yes, it's fine. And they like it. But then Kevin busts in on the intercom. Kevin has transformed into Neil Patrick Harris playing Hedwig. <laughs> Not even Hedwig. Neil Patrick Harris playing Hedwig. And he announces that everyone has to go to the music room so he can sing another fine song. Yeah. Um, Tear Me Down. Yeah. I forgot to write down what it was this time, but it was Tear Me Down. Yeah. Um, Which is a better song. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he, he goes in. His band is, by the way, Fanks, Sweet Pea, and Tony on drums. <laughs> I did write that down. His band is the Serpents. Yeah. And he sexually assaults Archie, but Archie likes it, so uh, it's fine. It's fine, because Archie consented beforehand, I assume. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so he, he does this concert in just... Is, is this not in the music room? He told, tells them to go to the music room. This is in the music room, though, this right? This is the student lounge, isn't it? I think so. Well, that's where the characters were earlier. I know. It doesn't make any sense. It's not the music room. The music room is a big open space where you can have sex. So Honey bursts in on this concert, and like every musical ever, he just kind of stands there, like, silently harumping until he, a break in the music comes. No, he doesn't even, I mean, yes, he does shout at him during a break in the music, but he doesn't even pull the plug until the song's, he actually holds on to the plug. They get the final note, the final note rings out and ends, then he pulls the plug. He loves Hedwig. <laughs> he loves this. He was like, oh, I just want to hear the end of the song. And he's like, man, Kevin, if you had said you were doing this song, I would have said it was okay. But you can't do it in the student lounge randomly while classes are going on. Kevin, I already told you not to do this. So now you can't be in charge of the variety show. Not because you did Hedwig. You're just very bad at it. <laughs> yeah, if you did good Hedwig, I'd be fine. Or if you had one sign-up sheet. You're making too much work for me, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin, you're just really bad at this is what I'm saying. You just really... Make better song choices and better variety show running choices. And I just want to say a little continuity. Um, er, or not continuity, I guess just a goof. Um, he pulls the plug on the amp and then, then Kevin drops the microphone and there's feedback. That shouldn't happen. The amp's unplugged. <laughs> That's Unless if he just unplugged the guitar. He just unplugged the guitar. The guitar. Like... He was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> no, he just unplugged the bass. <laughs> which means there's still a guitar and drums. He's like, sweet P, you're not so good at that. How do I, un how do I unplug the drums? <laughs> oh, if he just went up there and shoved Tony aside and did a rockin' drum solo. He's like, come on, this is how we do it. I like our um our head guy in the Mr. Honey's a super Hedwig fan. He's just mad <laughs> these kids are destroying his favorite musical. Oh, and now we have the most ham-fisted musical number ever, and it's real bad at it. And, like, kind of offensive? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's clearly... This is one that most feels like they wanted to get this number in and didn't know how to do it. Why couldn't this be the song that Kevin is singing at the variety show? Because, again, this song has a lot of pathos and yeah. emotion and, like, story behind it. And then you don't really have to do this weird setup where it's, okay, it's Betty and Veronica and Cheryl and Tony. And, and they're, they're having at, a sleepover? At Betty's house? And it's like it's Grease the musical? <laughs> yeah, and like everything's just the four of them just hanging out and talking about absolute nonsense on the couch and not being like, hey, Cheryl, remember when you when you live with your dead brother? <laughs> <laughs> and then the camera pans over and Kevin's a good, like, 12 feet away just sitting looking at the window like, oh, how do you solve a problem like Maria? <laughs> He's like, guys, I'm so sad. Remember when I joined a cult and it stripped away all 
feeling of myself. When I sing songs from Hedwig, taking on another person's role, I feel like I'm myself again. And that is a interesting concept. And I wish we had delved deeper (laughs) into that. I wish that had been the premise we're going with instead. Instead, we're going to do Betty going... (gasps) You know what makes me feel better? A makeover. Let's sing a song that's actually very deep. Let's sing a song about putting on roles and pretending that we're okay so we can become okay. Sure. Makeover. Fun wig montage. That's what this song is about. Uh, There's one moment where it seems like Casey Cott gets it, which is like right after I think the Farrah Fawcett wig, where it's like, oh, no, wait, I just understood. This song is way too deep for to do this montage where we're like going between people's houses yeah, at and one doing point a, they're at the maple club they're doing a pillow fight and he's like <sighs> so they do it and then they have a great idea what if people only sing songs from hedwig and the angry into the variety show now how are they going to enforce that and how many people are this variety show there's going to there's there's actually not that many songs in hedwig so people are just going to play the same songs over and over. Yeah, they each just do Origin of Love, because that's the only one they know. And then Cheryl pops up. She's in the scene, but you yeah. know, pops up in the scene and goes, As the president of the student body and the head of the Lesbian Gay Alliance, I will make this right. I will be the Lorax and speak for those who have no voice. And I'm going to say, cool, Cheryl. Why is this happening? Like, everything happens later than it probably should have. Like, why, is, why isn't the why isn't if if your if your school actually does have like an LGBTQ QIA whatever that or Gator Alliance whatever you want to call it in your school if they were there the entire time why did this come you why have you done something earlier? Also, did we explicitly state that Honey is against this because he hates the gays? We didn't. We haven't explicitly said anything about him. Which is why we assume that he just loves Hedwig and hates that these teens are wrecking it. So let's see what the plan is, because Cheryl and Tony and a, a bunch of girls in Pop Tate's uniforms. Who I think are the Vixens. I They might be the Vixens. I thought they might be the um, the Gay Straight Alliance group. Mm, but it's they're not, all pretty girls. It's just, it's just pretty girls in Pop Tate's uniforms. And, and they accost Honey on his personal time when he's just trying to have a coffee at a restaurant. And their their thing seems to be, like, once again, no one knowing actually what Honey's problem is. They seem to think that Honey thinks Hedwig is sad, is downbeat. Because <laughs> Tony's like, no, no, it's fun. And it doesn't speak to a wide enough audience. Cheryl says there's something there for everyone, including the conservatives. Nothing here that that Mr. Honey has ever said or implied. They just assume his problem is that he is like, oh, this poo-poo guy, he doesn't think it's fun. So then they sing Sugar Daddy, <laughs> which is a song about sugar daddies. They And so these teenage girls... Just sex at Mr. Honey, and we're supposed to be like, "Yeah, Mr. Honey, why are you so prudish about all this?" And he's like, "I don't want, do not want to be accosted by teenagers. I could, I could definitely be arrested for this." And they do all these like hand jivey, like cutesy dance moves, which is not what this song is about. I mean, and and also, I think for some reason, it made me very good with the Cheryl puts her own name in, which see, makes it, which makes it, she says at the beginning, which makes this entire song seem very directed at Mr. Honey. Well, because Hedwig sings, Hedwig needs some sugar in her, 
in her bowl. Well, I, so I, Cheryl, yeah. of course, cannot sing someone else's name. That would be crazy. No, but it makes it it makes it seem much more real that <laughs> this that they to prove to Mister Honey this song or this um this play isn't uh, controversial or anything like that. They sing the most sexually charged song in song. like a fun poppy way, and he goes, "Did you listen to yourselves?" <laughs> That song is super sexual, and what is implied is, you guys just wrecked it. <laughs> I do like how he says also, that song's sexually charged, and Cheryl says, that's queer phobic. And I'm like, that? No, it's not. Nope, he has clearly... We're, we're not saying that he's not queer phobic, or he's not bigoted, but he's not showing it in this moment. He's just saying, don't... Teenage girls, high school students at my at my high school, you cannot sexy dance at me. It's not going to change my mind. It makes me uncomfortable. In fact, you know what? Because they say, well, what are you going to do? Forgetting he's the principal. Well, and then Tony spills their plan. She's like, what? We're all going to sing songs from Hedwig. What are you going to do about that? Like, well, anyone who sings a song from Hedwig won't go to senior prom because I already know that works. Now, this ends up being a toothless threat. Oh, my because... God. Do, do you know who I just remembered? Remember the co- the coach of the Vixens? Oh, Mrs. Appleby or something. Nah, where is she? Appleguard? She got locked in her office by Tony. Joe, she's dead. Cheryl. She's dead in there. Yeah, she's just been there for five weeks. <laughs> no one's ever come back for her. She's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, continue. So, no, I guess the point I'm making is, like, we can Im- infer a lot of things about Honey because they don't give us any motivation. <laughs> yeah. And for the purpose of this podcast, we're inferring that he loves Hedwig and these kids are wrecking it. Oh, God, yeah, he loves it so much and they're just ruining it. And that is just as reasonable as any other inference. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Kevin. What did you learn during the lockdown? <laughs> So, um... Which is guess what it's called now. Yeah, well, because we're not quarantined. Like, none of us have COVID-19. Yeah, none of it, us have symptoms. Yeah, we're, we're on isolation. We're on isolation. Essentially. So, which is different from the self-isolation you have to take. Or just on stay-at-home, Self-isolation is, like, before... When you have symptoms, but you haven't been tested yet. And then quarantine is if you've been tested. And you're positive. And it's very... We have to use the right terms because it drives me out. Some people are like, I've been quarantined for five weeks. And I'm like, no, you haven't we, been. We You've both, been on stay at home. Yeah, we both work at a medical school, so... We feel very strongly about medical terms. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, while I've been at home, working from home, running the med school from home... Running the med school from home! <laughs> that is what I've been doing. Yeah. <laughs> And let your bosses listen to this where you apparently think you run the entire med school. I do. I've also been making bread. Like everyone else in the nation, I have been brought into that bread making life. (laughs) Yep. But I found a super, super easy recipe. It has four ingredients, one of which is water. Yeah. Um, I'll name drop it because they're never going to sponsor us. Yeah. But Budget Bites, the blog, has a great recipe for no need bread where you just mix up like flour, water, a tiny, tiny bit of yeast and salt. You let it rise for like 18 hours and then you can you can bake it like on a baking sheet with parchment paper. Cool. And it rises. It's so easy. It was so good. Cheap. Like if you can get yeast, I highly, highly recommend Making the budget bites, no need bread. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's sort of the time to figure out how to do stuff at home. Yeah, like yeah. things that you're like, oh my god, that's something my grandma would do. It must be way too hard for me. 
I mean, bread has always been one of those things where I'm like, I, like it, it seems like it's probably very easy to make a very basic one. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like something that has a very large range of difficulty. Well, and, like, if I had to, like, knead the bread and, like, feel the proper yeah. weight of the bread. Or make, like, a pumpernickel or a... Yeah, like, yeah. absolutely no way. But this easy bread, great entry. Yeah. It did make... A lot of bread, though, <laughs> because it's homemade and there's no preservatives. You you gotta get to it you fast. gotta eat it fast. A lot of bread. So uh, by I think I made it on a Tuesday, and by the Thursday I was like, my stomach kind of hurts, and that might be because the only thing I've eaten is like a massive loaf of bread. I feel like with the musical in this episode taking up so much of our mental space, every other plot line feels so. Incredibly, only incredibly small. Even when they clearly are more significant things, and 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 the the musical doesn't actually seem to tie. Even though they really tie the songs into these plot lines, it doesn't feel like the musical actually ties too well into what these kids actually are going through. Which is why it's kind of better when they do their episodes where the musical is a musical the kids are in. Yeah. Because at least they're kind of invested in this. Whereas now it's just like, for some reason the Glee demon is here this week. (laughs) Yeah, for some reason they're singing. You gotta express your emotions through song. Well, the reason I bring that up is because in the next scene, Archie is working out. Man, he always just works out in his gym alone. Although I want to point out, Archie is now working out with his shirt on. And I want to know what that means. At the beginning of the episode, he came home from a jog with his shirt on. Maybe maybe KJ App was just like, they're taking my shirt off. I'm tired of this, guys. I'm tired of this. You got to paint these tattoos and these scars on me every time. Off. Oh, you, 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 on. Oh. oh, you're right. Yeah, the he's Archie on. The Archie tattoos and stuff. I thought KJ Appa also does he have also tattoos. He has tattoos. Maybe it's just too much work. Yeah, they're like, okay, we got to paint some off. We got to leave some on. Because I, I saw him, like, because I saw him show this once. I'm like, he shows sure a lot, but he has tattoos. They have to cover those up every single time. Anyway, he gets some text messages because Hiram has collapsed. Gasp. <sighs> and immediately we go to his house where Veronica explains that Hiram is like, oh, I just tripped. I tripped and fell. No big deal. Sometimes <laughs> you trip and fall. <laughs> but she thinks he hasn't been going to the doctor. And Archie says, absolutely not. He's never been to the doctor. He's only been to my gym. <laughs> Which is a wild assumption. He could do both, Archie. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Archie doesn't know he's not going to the doctor. He just knows he's going to the gym. <laughs> but he points out that Hiram has had some... Some problems at the gym, and yeah. that leads him to believe that he's not going to the doctor. Yeah. Okay. Um, but this is enough that our, that Veronica gets very upset. She's um, and this honestly is actually fairly it's realistic. realistic. She's she's uh, really she's upset at her dad, but because Archie's the one there revealing stuff, she gets mad at Archie. She shoots the messenger. Yeah, yeah, and she has a very unreasonable response that Archie should have bundled <laughs> Hiram up in the car and taken him to the doctor himself. And. Archie does not respond with, you mean the man who once put out a hit on me? You mean I, a young boy, should force an adult into a car? Aaron, a sick adult. But, but this is a reasonable response. Like, it's irrational, yep. but understandable. Absolutely. Um, speaking of irrational, but understandable, Jughead is watching some videos, and Betty walks into the bunker and loses her GD mind oh. out of nowhere. Betty! <laughs> There's a lot here. Number one, Betty is so upset that Jughead isn't um, working be- because, of course, she's acting like his mom. <laughs> 
But she put her neck out. She put so much work in to get him back into that school. And Jughead and just respond would be like, well, you didn't have to. And he's right. She didn't have to. But then he goes Wait. wildly unreasonable. Well, hold on. I do want to point out that when Betty first came into, her, into there, she says she was surprising him for a study break. But there's this momentary pause where she goes, um, I was here to surprise, surprise you with a study break, which means she was going to have sex with him. And I love that moment there. I also like that her taking him on a break, okay. Him taking a break on his own, unacceptable. She doesn't know how long he's been doing this he for. He could have just started. But then, as everyone was getting towards, Jughead is begins to imply that actually he, he seems to blame his apathy on his head wound. Which... I'm going to say it's, like, actually... Which is possible. It's, it's this weird thing where, like, he's in the real world. He's not wrong with head wounds being actually very, very serious. We have a friend who she got a concussion, and she's dealing with that for years. But in this show with the magic hospital and gunshots... Well, and also, like, he has not actually been shown to behave any differently than he ever has before. Yeah, but but it's like they wanted to give him this thing so he'd have something to come back with in the fight, which I think he could come back with is sort of like, you're not my mom, Betty. Betty, I'll get myself into the school. Or I'll, I won't. Who I'll knows? get the work done. Who knows? Maybe I won't. Maybe I don't want to do that. But she explains to him that they need a future because she's going to go to Yale and what? He's going to do nothing ever? <laughs> what? Yeah, they, they man, these kids spiral hard, which, of course, because it's a musical episode, devolves into them sing-screaming at each other. And they sing ex Exquisite Corpse. Yeah. Now, I'm on board with the Archie and Veronica fight. That one makes sense. Yeah. This Betty and Jughead fight is aggressively shoehorned in there. And it doesn't make sense for them to get into this heavy of a fight that, like... You you can you can start digging in deeper and being like oh it's these long standing things because and it's coming out of this highly stressful situation, but it doesn't feel deserved or makes any sense or yeah it escalates out of nowhere it's zero to a hundred and sixty yeah but they finish up singing exquisite corpse about how they're all sewn up and they're composites and but yeah again it's not a great hedwig song there are better songs in this musical yeah but it's a fight song yeah uh mr honey the next day at school mr honey is alerted to a situation in the hall he goes out into the hall where every single member of his student body <laughs> apparently has been able to dress up as hedwig which means I, I mean, some of them def could have done their own the blondes could have done their own hair i suppose like, where but did they all get those wigs look aaron Dream sequence musical. We agreed. We can't go into... This isn't even a musical scene, though. It's just they yeah. all dress up as Hedwig. And Honey is like, you guys have to stop trying to start riots. I'm canceling the variety <laughs> show, dum-dums. And once again, going into the idea of things I'm surprised he did last. I'm surprised this is his last thing. And the only way it makes sense is that he really did want the variety show to go on and have all those Hedwig performances. But this just proves they don't get Hedwig. They can't all be Hedwig. That's not what Hedwig is about. No, you don't understand it. I'm going to cancel the variety show because I know if it goes on, you're going to sing your Hedwig songs. And I'm just going to be so disappointed. And I'm going through some things right now. I just can't handle it. You guys just don't get it. You guys don't get Hedwig. Why are teenagers so dumb? Oh, of note, they will never sing Angry Inch in this episode. They will episode not. Because how do... They've ham-fisted some songs into here. Um, this is not one. <laughs> Speaking of ham-fisting songs in. So, Betty 
goes over to Archie's house for rehearsal, and he forgot to text everyone that rehearsal was off because he and Veronica had a big fight. Betty's O makes me think she also forgot there was a rehearsal and just wanted to see Archie. It's, <laughs> it's the sort of thing where, where like someone's like, oh, I didn't, sorry, I completely forgot about this. And you also did, but you're like, oh, man, that's fine. No, it's cool. <laughs> totally understand. And so they tell each other about their fights because they are best friends. Mm-hmm. And then Archie explains that he signed them up for the talent show because he remembered in season one when he had stage fright and how his dad made him feel better and he wants to feel better. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, that's reasonable. Absolutely. It's it is also sort of feels like motivation out of nowhere. But I mean, longstanding stuff, it happens. This entire season has been Archie being like, but my dad. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. They said, like, hey, even though the rest are there, why don't we still rehearse, I guess? And then they sing the most butchered version of Origin of Love, which is the best song in the musical. Yeah. The thing with Origin of Love is it's a story song. It's yeah. a story about how, where love came from. And it's a story about how when man, yeah. as a species, was created, we were two people stuck together. And yep. there were people who were two men stuck together people who were two women stuck together people who were one of each stuck together and they're from like different places i think like man man was sun woman woman was earth and man woman was moon yes yeah and they all came together and they were knowledgeable and happy and content and the gods got really jealous because that's what gods do so the gods all banded together to tear apart these people and um that's where making love came from because after they were torn apart they tried to stick themselves back together yeah and we all spend our entire lives trying to find the other half of our children, our child of the man, moon, sun, earth. Yeah, and this was, and this was, um, this was actually something that that like the I, this origin myth actually is like Aristotle or Plato's yeah theory type thing. Um, it's a gorgeous song. It is five minutes long. So I mean, I get it; they couldn't do the entire thing, but the way they rip this song apart and piece it back together. Okay, so of, of note, the part where Archie and Betty are singing each other is f- the fine. Beginning. Yeah, it's yep, the beginning. It's, it's fine. fine, and it is kind of a romantic like it's it's a song that moves you in your gut. So yeah. I'm okay with the feelings they're feeling. Yeah, and it's it 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 almost makes sense in world that if they were going to sing Origin of Love, this moment might be. Something I don't know. And then Veronica pops up in her home, and she sings the end of the song. Yep. And then, and then it gets even weirder from there because here's the thing: Jughead starts singing, and the, the, he sings great. Like he's actually singing the song great. But what he's doing makes no sense. He's singing about the moment where the gods split people in half. Which is the middle of the song, which happens before the part that Veronica sings. So for people who don't know Hedwig, I cannot imagine (laughs) this song makes any sense to you. And then he starts screaming about Thor, the hammer, and all these things. (laughs) And he writes an essay. Well, yeah, like what he's doing here versus what he's singing, I would say emotionally you can get it, but... Listening to what he's singing, you're like, why is he singing about gods tearing people apart as he destroys federal evidence? He smashes a VHS tape as he destroys federal evidence and then angrily starts writing an essay. How does that metaphorically fit in? And I feel like without the song progressing in storytelling order, (laughs) you don't understand why gods are ripping people apart. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It, it's the perfect show of just like, okay, well, we got to do Origin of Love, and we'll do it about their love stories. Even though Origin of Love is a very love, like, about love, it's actually not a very love 
song. It's not a love song. It's not a song that you sing to someone like, you know, Mad World. It's like a reflection of love and how it's painful and and lonely and it's a lot of things. Yeah. A lot of things that are more complex than the scene wants us to believe. And, and isn't it, I mean, obviously... It's, all, it's near the end of the... Well, I, mean, I was also thinking, like, isn't it also... Um, uh, like the like the themes that are brought up in it are not brought up straight, like they're brought up as sort of almost not a discussion point, but I don't know. It's been a long time since I've done any looking into Hedwig and the Angry yeah. Inch, and it I just, don't want to start making. It's not a song. So Hedwig and the Angry Inch, Hedwig, rock star, box botched sex change operation. Um, that, that they were sort of forced into. I mean, they wanted it, but not the way it was done. It's, and... it's a it's a it's a play with with a lot of depth in it. And essentially, the play itself is Hedwig's rock concert, and Hedwig sort of almost hit stardom, and now she's on her way down. And her ex Tommy Gnosis yeah. is like a major rock star now. He's playing, playing the venue next to her, a massive venue <laughs> next yeah. to her, and so that's what it's about. And we learn about her past loves and the person who got her out of communist. Uh, yeah, Communist Berlin. Like, we learn about all of that stuff before the fall of the Berlin Wall. Yeah. And so the origin of love is like a reflection on her relationship with Tommy, but yeah. also a reflection on how she's been trying to find her other part in the world. And, like, it's not a song yeah. that she's like, Tommy, I love you. <laughs> Listen to the origin of love. Yeah, yeah. All that to be said, um, at the end of the song, Archie and Betty kiss. Because the plot says so. But also... <laughs> I kind of get it. Like, this song is so well written <laughs> that you can see how, like, dumb teens who are ruled by their <laughs> hormones and not by any sort of logical thing, who are both sad and both had a fight with significant others yeah. about nothing, yeah. it's, it's one would of, get there. Yeah, it's one of the things where I'll, I'll say – what I'll say about this whole – what's it called? Was it, they're Barchi, right? Yeah. Barchi. The whole Barchi thing – Two coasts of Archie. The whole Barchie thing is that this moment, I would say, makes sense. What we're going to get to later... Less sense. <laughs> less sense. Which I guess we can get to now uh, because it's... Because uh, uh, we get to, like, Betty looking at photos of uh, Jughead and her and Archie. And then Jughead comes in and is like, I did my essay. I love you. If you ever want to distract me from writing more essays, you can. I'm going to go write more essays. <laughs> Just for fun. Just for fun. And then Archie's looking at photos of him and Veronica and him and Betty. And then Veronica shows up with apology snacks from Pop Tate. And oh my god, she actually apologizes. This is the most self-reflective Veronica has. I have expected her to be like, I'm sorry. And I'm being like, for what? And she's like, I'm sorry. But she admits what we've already talked about. She was lashing out of the thing in front of her, and she's scared. Yeah. But and also, life is really hard. But don't worry, Archie. Kevin had a great idea. We're gonna do the variety show at Le Bon Nuit. And I'm like, I mean, I guess that's a win. <laughs> like that's not like even what they're fighting for. That's not a win. They didn't want to do the variety show. They wanted to do it at the school. They wanted to be allowed to express themselves. <laughs> so. This this is like people be this is like oh god this is like people being like we want we want equal rights and then be like you can have different rights. <laughs> what if you have equal rights in Canada? <laughs> Not yeah, what here. If, what in if Canada? You, yeah, you want equal rights in America. Instead, you can go somewhere else. And they're like, that was a win. <laughs> like, I guess it. Yes. 
So on the heels of these apologies, Archie and Betty stared each other from their windows of their houses that are next door to each other or across the street from Aaron, each other. I have a question. We have to we have to figure this out right now. Are we calling this dream musical logic? Because we see a shot from the windows we've never seen before, which is that they are next door neighbors. Because you can see angled out the window that there's definitely a, a thing between them. But it also could be dream musical logic. But I really feel like in the pilot they were next door to each other. No, this shows they're next door to each other. I know. But there was a, but there's moments where they, I swear there was a moment where. Um, Alice looked across the street and saw... I thought so, too. But this episode has a lot of flashbacks to the pilot. Because, like, at one point, Veronica talks about how she doesn't have Magnolia cupcakes, which is actually from episode two. Yeah. But, so, is this just a flashback to the pilot when their houses were next to each other? <laughs> before before they were transported across the street? I don't know. So, this leads into them... Dream dancing together. And they sing the Tommy Gnosis version of Wicked Little Town. Yep. Which closes the musical. Yep. Um, I do want to point out, all of these clips... And they they do show all these clips... From the first episode, mostly. Yeah, because there's no recent clips clips of of Betty and and Archie. It's almost like... They they treat like, oh, yes, remembering all these moments. And I'm like, those were years. They're different people now. And those it's so were when they were sophomores and now they're seniors. So many people have died in that time. Yeah, and it's so weird in a in a musical that's sort of about growth and finding who you are and changing. But also like this to, to, to do like, yeah, no, nothing ever changes. You are the same people you were. And like, you know, really. At the end of Hedwig, she realizes that all she needs is herself. She doesn't need Tommy. Yeah. Which is the opposite not of the message of this episode. No, the message of this episode is your first love is your only love. And so, then the only one that matters. So that sugar daddy who got her out of Germany. Yeah. She should find him again. Yeah, he's the one. He might be dead. I do want to point out that the moment... So the way this transition happens is that I think Betty puts her hand against the glass and then Archie, like, grabs her hand. I jumped at that moment. <laughs> they put in, like, a stick... It's like a horror movie moment of, like, the killer grabbing her hand. It's like, oh, what's this happening? You know, here's the thing. This is well known on this podcast. I don't like Archie and Veronica. I think they're a bad match. I think yeah. she's way too selfish for that sweet boy. Yeah. And I think I would like Archie and Betty. I think they would be a good match. Unfortunately, Betty and Jughead are a better match. Well, And unfortunately, this whole setup here doesn't make... Like, if this is going to continue on with this, which it sounds like it really is. I mean, though, to be fair, we do know that Roberto listens to the audience and there was some <laughs> uproar here. Um, the... This doesn't feel It doesn't earned. feel earned. It doesn't feel right. The Like I said, the kiss after singing Origin of Love is fine. Passionate moment, boom, it's a thing. But them continuing on and being like, but what if feels... Like, maybe, maybe you could say in real world as teenagers, sure. But in a show where you have motivation and characters and plot and things as that, it feels off. And a show where our teens are often adults. Speaking of teens uh, and adults, both the teens and the adults... Are at Le Bon Wee, where they somehow got special posters made saying the variety show the would be there. The first annual r- variety show. Now, <laughs> I... 
I part of me was expecting Mr. Honey to come in and try to shut it down because they really wanted him to be vindictive and weird. And he does love to shut down things that are not at the school and have nothing to do with him. <laughs> but they they don't do that. I'll still say we we will end this episode never really learning what Mr. Honey cared about, which means maybe he's just sitting at home now listening to the Broadway recording of Hedwig and the Angry Inch just being like, no, you're so much better. Maybe Neil Patrick Harris is the one he'll go for. Yeah, he might like that one, but he yeah. might go for the original. He might watch the movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, maybe he has some bootlegs from different productions <laughs> that have been done across the nation. Can we just also, just for one moment here, I'm sorry, this is returning uh, right back to the beginning, but when um, <laughs> when uh, when Mr. Honey is telling um, he's telling Kevin about how, like, you can't do the show, it's, it's inappropriate, Kevin goes... But it was on Broadway, and it was there was a movie made of it. Like, there's no inappropriate shows on Broadway or movies. <laughs> there are lots of shows that are appropriate for you to see and art for you to consume, but you might not be ready to perform that art. Well, and also sometimes it just doesn't fit your audience. Like, <sighs> this, yeah. it, it really makes me wonder what song he had picked. Because Which, so many of those songs are actually out of contents out of context, innocuous. And we don't find out what song he picks because the show skips right to the end of the variety show, which is The Archies. However, for the purposes of this show, Kevin's in The Archies. Yeah, Ar- so Archie plays the guitar and sings. Betty sings and uses a cymbal, which I think is accurate. I think yeah, yeah Veronica yeah. just sings. Jughead plays the drums. And Kevin plays the keyboard. Now, I- I'm I wondering... Thought, I thought Veronica... I, th- I thought Veronica played the tambourine and Betty played the keyboards in the Archies. You know what? I think that is right. I think the I, I think I think you're correct about that. I I am curious why Kevin is playing the keyboard. I think is it just get Casey caught to sing in the song? Yes. Kevin has played the keyboard numerous times well, for different things on the show. Well, but no, that's for fine. this, it's so Casey Cock can sing in the song. Because for me, it's weird that they even, didn't even have, like, Veronica play the keyboard. Because I don't care if the actress can't play the keyboard. You can make <laughs> the character and just be like, eh, Veronica can play the keyboard. Who cares? But instead, they definitely just wanted Casey Cock to sing in this song. And they sing... Uh, Midnight Radio, which is also a great song from the musical. And maybe one of the songs that Kevin should have sang. <laughs> yeah. I will say that, like, this one probably, of all the songs, fits the moment the best. Mm-hmm. It's triumphant, but also wistful. Yeah. Um, at, they, at one point, they call out people's names in the audience. And when Reggie gets his name called out, his soul soars. He is filled with such joy. Yeah, that's my name! That's my love! I mean, that's Archie! <laughs> I'm in this! I'm on the show, guys! Remember when I was just up as Hedwig and I threatened to... When <laughs> I beat up Honey? Burn yeah, the school be, to be, the ground? Beat up Honey. He was gonna kick Honey. I'm... Can I just say, it's... It's actually weird to me that they decided to... Th- that, was, that was Reggie. It was Reggie. It's weird to me to throw Reggie into that group because they portrayed him so many times as being villainous and part of part of culture he's yeah. not really counterculture but but he loves his friends yeah but they, they just wanted to have everybody against honey it, could then, have been, it just means we have to remember this for anything in the future i don't think the show's ever going to show gay bashing though well and reggie and kevin are kind of friends yeah because remember when they did their reggie's, prank? reggie's also buddies with fangs and sweet pea now 
That's true. Yeah. They were all hanging out together watching the video of Pop Tates. Well, and also in this uh, in this musical number, they're grooving, and Reggie's like, yeah, I'm part of the group. Um, Reggie's, Reggie is actually, honestly, probably one of the more uneven characters in the show of what his deal is. However, Reggie in the comics, also uneven, so... That's uh, sort of the comics deal. Uh, this, this... Then I'm very... <laughs> I was very confused. I wrote down what is happening, because all of the characters stop playing their instruments, and Archie detaches his guitar, <laughs> but the music continues. Yeah, yeah, it's just... So, this one is probably the roughest musical dream sequence, like splitting from reality because they're performing in a real area then they're able to detach their instruments and go up on the roof of pop tates at which point i think jugged stops playing the drums yeah and archie is playing the good so what i wish is i wish we had just cut from inside pop tates to having them on the roof instead showing the transition is weird it 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 took (laughs) me out of it it makes us think about it too much and outside of pop tates a bunch of people have these like lanterns but also people are filming things on their cell phones and also there's like those lights that like point up at the sky like you would see at the oscars yeah it's a it's a big wild party and totally improvised totally spontaneous and uh mr honey looks on up during this and like looks yeah he's like no this is fine he's like, all right you, you guys got you, the spirit of this song you got one <laughs> <laughs> you got one but during this it hard cut from dream to reality Jughead basically stops singing because he realizes that all these people are filming. Oh my god, cameras, and cameras can make VHS tapes, and people have been watching us. Could the person who was watching us be right here? And then... It's such a hard, hard cut from fun dream sequence to... Boom! Murder. And then it cuts down to the bunker where Jughead is watching his tape. And somehow... One of the tapes. And somehow he sees something in one of these tapes that both the FBI and the person who received that tape missed. So here's... Okay, no. Explain what it is first, then I'll do my thing. So he's watching the tape. And then some person wearing a Jughead mask... And crying. Comes on up and creeps on up to the camera. And then someone wearing a... No, no. No, they're they're, they're just sitting there crying. Like a full head jacket mask. And then a full head Betty mask comes on up behind him and beats him over the head with a rock numerous times. Straight up kills him. And that's on a videotape? So here's the problem I have with that right now. Now, I'm, I'm like, okay... So we have two options here. One, no one noticed that before, which is insane and means that... God, they, Charles that, sucks at being well, FBI. <laughs> it makes branching things. So let's go with this one right now. Charles sucks and everybody who watched these tapes... I make, I can understand if someone got a tape and decided not to watch it. Yeah, maybe, absolutely. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe, honestly, someone got the tape and decided, I don't want to watch this, gave it right to the FBI. But Charles gave it right to Jughead. How could the person who's making these tapes know that it was going to get to Jughead? Yep. Um, <laughs> I, I have to assume... The person who's making the tapes is Charles, right? Like, Charles is making these tapes. Yeah, which means he gave this tape for Jughead to... Watch. He's looking at this on the one jug it smashed. And like Charles is the only person connected to the Stonewall plot. Who left. knows who knows about that? So, so it has to be Charles. Which adds to the question of why? <laughs> why did he give Jughead the tapes? Why no and why is this the thing he's doing to Jughead? Like what is this And what is his thing? Like what is his plan? My other option, and this is the problem with this thing, is that I was trying to figure out 
is this a hallucination? Because we actually see beforehand he's watching a video of just the woods. Just it's the only one that doesn't have a house in it is just the woods, and then it hard cuts to a man wearing a Jughead mask crying. And then when Jughead turns off the, he actually goes, he turns off the the screen. He goes, oh, oh, which makes me feel like. And it wouldn't, and I wouldn't have this thought. Is it a hallucination if this did not come right after a dream sequence musical? And I can't tell what is real and what is fake. And he did talk about his head injury causing him to be a different person. Yeah, so I guess we're going to wait until next. I mean, it's not a problem. We'll wait until next episode to figure out if it was a hallucination or not. And you know what? If there's one thing we know about Riverdale, is they'll tell us immediately. <laughs> yeah, but I and I don't know if they want us to think maybe it's a hallucination, but the, just the way he acts and the way that it came out of a dream musical and him doing his monologue about like, my God, people are watching me. What's what does this mean? Mm-hmm. Means that I, I, it, I may be the one who's hallucinating right now, just being like, ah, oh, hallucinatory musical. Who knows? Who knows? So that was that. We go back to the end of Midnight Radio, and it's triumphant. And Archie does a really cool jump with the guitar. Yeah, and yeah. I liked that. That that was that was a good moment. <laughs> I liked when Archie jumped holding the guitar because I like when KJ Appa gets to do fun things. Well, speaking of not-so-nice moments, hey, Aaron, throughout this episode, did you find yourself a a moment? Did I find myself <laughs> a moment? Did I find a moment where Logic found itself in a Glee musical and didn't know what else to do but sing some Hedwig song that only vaguely connected to what was going on in their life? It's hard to say, like, a moment where drama overtook Logic, because this is a musical, so every musical moment, really, but... Eh. I'm going to do a controversial one because I know it's driving the storyline forward. Hit it. I, always, and, I do this all the time. <laughs> Betty and Jughead's fight. Makes no GD sense. Well, I mean, I, ag- I agree. It is drama overtaking logic. Them, them, after all they've been through, getting into a blow-up fight about that. And if Jughead came in and said, like, no, actually, maybe this is about all the things we've been through before that we never addressed. But he's not. He's just sort of like... Well, and the amount of, leap of leaps of logic we have to take to get them to that point, like... Betty is the person who has to get him into school. <laughs> None of his credits from Stonewall transfer. Like, I'm sorry. I transferred high schools in grade 12. You transferred high schools in grade or junior highs in grade 8. Yeah. Brian transferred high schools halfway through grade 10. Your credits transfer. Yeah, and if they had just put in a line where it's like, where like maybe Jughead j- just says, I mean, maybe Stonewall will finally get the transfer in. Yeah. Like, it just one line. There's so many things in this episode I should be saved with just one line. If if Honey had just said what his problem was. <laughs> what his problem actually was. Because he kind of says, like, it's an inappropriate musical. No one knows what it is. That was highly sexualized. Yeah. But, like, he never says, I don't want you to do that song because it's too sexy for a teenager to sing. Or maybe, maybe his problem could be, I don't want gender politics in my school. Which means you could have this whole thing be like, hey, you have to deal with this stuff. Or... Well, exactly. But, like, from what I can tell, Kevin just wants to play his keyboard and sing a song from Hedwig. I don't even think he wanted to dress up. I think he just wanted to sing a song yeah. that meant something I mean, to we him. see him at the variety show. He does not look dressed up. So it all could have been solved by Kevin being like, 
I'm just going to play my keyboard and <laughs> sing Wicked Little Town. Anyway, that's aside. Your moment was the that whole fight. fight, which connects to a lot of other things. Kevin, did you find a CW moment? It has to be the sugar daddy dance. It, yeah. Because it involves it involved Tony and Cheryl misunderstanding any at no point did it ever make it any seem like any clear that Mr. Honey's problem was that he thought Hedwig was too much of a downer. <laughs> because the only response they have is Tony being like, No, it's a fun comedy musical. And here, we'll prove it to you. <laughs> Let's co-opt one of those songs. And then sexy dance at him, which if he was like, You can't do this, I'd be like, Yeah, you're right. This is deeply uncomfortable. It's I wasn't more, comfortable watching it. Is more it was more uncomfortable than when um her uh Veronica's sister, whose age is indeterminate, sexy danced. And was going to have sex with those two teenagers. I guess they're technically 18. But still. But still. Uh, I don't... You, here's the thing. No phrase of defense should ever end with, they're technically 18. If anyone <laughs> ever says that to you, there's something wrong. They're wrong. Yeah. So, I'm disappointed. Because I love musicals. And I love shoehorning musicals into things that should not be musicals. The Buffy musical, the Scrubs musical. Yeah. Yeah. The Psych I, musical. I'm not that far along. I'm watching Supernatural. That's another thing I'm doing in quarantine. I'm yep. not that far along. But if there was a if there was a supernatural musical, I would lose my mind with joy. Fifteen years, you have to think they did one. You think. They did an episode where they were on a TV show playing their actor characters. They, they, they've done multiple episodes, uh, super meta episodes. They did, they did the one where they went to the real world. They did ones where like they went to a convention for their... Because they're being yes. written about... <laughs> they by... went to the Supernatural convention. Yeah. Anyway, I love musicals. Watching this episode made me feel old. Because I was just like... Look at these dumb kids co-opting these songs. These are not about you. Yeah, and it's and it's like yes, Hedwig is a lot about like you know living your own, being an individual, um, breaking status quos, and finding finding yourself as yourself. But that wasn't the plots they were setting up in this episode. Well, I'm just like all these rich, like privileged kids. Like this, this episode was is so tone deaf. Uh, yeah, this episode was about censorship. Really? Which is not really what Hedwig is about. No. And yeah, it's it's this it's this show consistently, especially with the musical episodes, lands their shot just off the target. You know what would actually have been an appropriate musical to do if they wanted to do it about censorship? Yeah. Spring Awakening. And it would have been just as controversial. And Spring Awakening has a history of being censored yeah. and being and kids being told these issues are not for you to know. You shouldn't discuss these things. how that show is dealing with like the, the thing about Spring Awakening is it is a show dealing with the issues people of that age are dealing with, but it's super uncomfortable for people to accept that people of that age are dealing with it. Yeah, it it, it would have been perfect. This just feels shoehorny. It's like. It's like if kids were like, oh, we want to go on strike because we feel like we have too much homework. So we're going to sing, do you hear the people sing from Les Mis? You would laugh. That would be yeah. absurd. Yeah, the that... problems of the French Revolution are not the problems of rich kids in high school. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what this was to me. I mean, this this, would, this this feels equivalent to them being like, we want to do Grease. And they're like, no, he rubs his crotch one time. And they're like, censorship, Grease. <laughs> And they sing all songs from Greece. Now, Greece, 
dirty musical. Grease is a very dirty musical, but once again, their songs taken out of context are innocuous, very similar to Hedwig and the Ang- Even though Grease and Hedwig and the Angry Inch are very separate separate musicals, in the context of how this show treats them, they might as well be the same. Yeah, you could sing any Grease song. It's a dirty musical, but sing those songs. They're fun. Yeah. Same thing with Hedwig. I, would, I actually would have loved if the things that Mr. Honey said when he's like, choose a different musical, were what's like, if he said Grease in there, I would have laughed out loud in a good way because it would show that Mr. Honey does not understand musicals. He's like, do something sweet, like like Grease. There's nothing wrong in Grease. Sing Grease Lightning. All those boys wanting to have cars. Yeah, that's what that song's about. Like that. Instead, he picked... He picked ones that could have been seen, like, if they had brought up that, no, those songs, those those musicals are... Also problematic. Are problematic in a different way, but the problematic in, like, you as someone who's part of the status quo might not see as problematic. Mm-hmm. Like, but they didn't want, they didn't want to bring that up, so... So I just... I feel old. I feel like I'm like, hey, you kids, get off my musical lawn. Yeah, it is, it's never great when the show makes, it makes you feel like, am I... Why? Why am I? It's, you can't even agree with Mr. Honey, though. Like, no, I don't, because I don't know what his problem was. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was going to agree with him. Like, I thought I'd be like, you know why, Kevin? You probably shouldn't sing Z- Sugar Daddy, or you know what, Kevin? You probably shouldn't do Hedwig as your musical. I mean, it'd be like once again with someone coming with Spring Awakening, being like, I want to do Touch Me from Spring Awakening. Like, maybe you could sing those you've known instead. Yeah, do those you've known. It's really sad, but it's at least. <laughs> A song that's not called Touch Me. It's not explicitly about sex. Yeah, which every other song in there is. <laughs> they could maybe get away with the bitch of living if people didn't listen to it. You can also change some of the lyrics like they did when they performed at the Tonys. That's true. They cannot do it totally effed. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> they can do my junk. It's about how we all have our junk, and my junk is you. I, my favorite thing about my junk is my junk sounds like the song that would be the most like weirdly raunchy sexual, because in a show of like <laughs> of incredibly sexual things going on, you have a song called My Junk. And you think it's like, my junk, my junk, look at all my junk. Yeah, you think it's going to be like a, like a uh, what's it, a Black Eyed Peas song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, hey, uh, we're we're back from, you know, our our break, and Riverdale's back from its break, but who knows how long it's going to go on for, because we know they're not done filming. But guys, I, I'm so glad to be able to talk to you about this again. I'm going to do one quick message here directly to Roberto, because I know that either if you're not listening to this, it does somehow reach your ears through <laughs> psychic uh, transmissions. Don't don't crunch the last few episodes and try to make the, whatever one you have up to now be the ending. It's a weird time. It is a very strange time for art. And it's a very strange time for things being made. I hope that you and it's not just you. It's honestly also the all TV the broadcasters. Shows. It's yeah. also that I think you should wait. I would love. I'd be into it. Film the stuff when you start filming the next season, whenever that is, whenever you can do that. When you start filming next season, do a two-hour episode the week before next season premieres that wraps up this season. I'm fine with that. I'm. Uh, it, yeah, things do, are crazy now. Yeah, it's fine. Do do the season finale just before the next season. And because you have to think about not just – we are in a time now where it's not just right now. It's in the future. People are going to be watching this on Netflix in the future. And you're going to have to deal with if you decide to cram the end. That's the way it's going to be forever. And I know – and once again, I know it's not just you. So I'm also talking to the broadcaster. I'm also talking to the CW. 
Yeah, CW, do it. Like CW, this will be the least weird thing you've ever done with all your superhero drama shows. Exactly. Let them tell the story they want to tell. No matter what it is. It might not be a good story, but give it to them. Yeah, like, oh, God, all right. Um, but, hey, let's uh, let's wrap this up. We're, as I said, we're back. We'll keep doing this for as long as Riverdale's uh, keeps going. And we make a pledge to you. We will give you content after Riverdale ends. Yeah, we'll... We'll figure it out. Uh, but uh, if you like this, you should give us a rating, review, subscription on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you find us. And tell us how you feel about musical episodes. We are Podcast MOA, Podcast MOA, on Instagram, on Twitter, and at gmail.com. And we will see you next week. Will Hiram go to the doctor now? Who's making the VHS tapes? Will Mr. Honey ever be able to achieve his dream of performing in Hedwig and the Angry Inch? Answers all this and more on the next episode of Mr. Osiris and Abs. A teen drama fan cast? 